0: Welcome, folks. Oh, gosh, I've missed you. Welcome to a new episode of Let's Talk Common Sense with me, Mike Omani. This is your home of political news, of political discussions, but also cultural and, you know, just relevant conversations. Um, Now, we didn't have an episode last week, and that was because we had a scheduling malfunction. (laughs) And what that really means is a guest uh, cancelled last minute. I'm not going to out them. Don't worry. Um, But the week before, we had a really brilliant conversation with a young guy from Columbia University in America who's got this national mentoring program where he's mentoring over 200 people. Please, go check out that episode because it was a really interesting discussion. I love when I meet young people who are trying to change the world. Now, I also heard from some of you who were like, Mike, bro, this this podcast is way too American-centric. So today, I thought we would do the same topics, but we'll consider it from a British perspective. So I've got two wonderful guests today, two young students from Warwick University, and we're gonna tackle the same and similar questions, but we're gonna consider it from a, from a, U, uh, from a UK perspective. So that's that. If, you're, if it's your first time listening, um, welcome to this to, 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 to this amazing conversation. You've got to go online and follow LTCS Podcast, and that's the podcast page for this conversation. Um, I want people to engage more on there because what I've realized is you guys can actually suggest guests you want. Um, I want us to have really good conversations here, so if you have any particular guests that you think are really interesting, then you can just DM us and we can get the ball rolling with them. Um, but today we're going to focus on the UK. So Trump and the, the, um, the transition party of Biden can wait because today we're talking about the UK. Now, (laughs) you would think that because we're talking about the UK, it's, you know, fresh, something new. No, it's the same, COVID. (laughs) But COVID is interesting because it's kind of tearing the Conservative Party apart right now. Uh, Boris Johnson is having to handle a little revolt um, over the new COVID lockdown tears. Um, we record a Lester Common Sense on Sundays. So just yesterday, Boris Johnson basically capitulated to Tory MPs because he announced that he would reform um, his new coronavirus lockdown measures before Christmas. Which is crazy. They literally just put it in, but he's saying before Christmas he may actually reform it because Tory MPs threatened to actually vote the government proposals down. Now this is very very interesting because what what's happening is. Uh, The Prime Minister is basically writing to MPs saying that many of the uh, towns and boroughs you have the highest COVID tiers, this is tier three, where basically nothing's changed from the previous lockdown, from lockdown 2.0. He's saying by December the 19th, they may actually see some easing uh, easing happening. Um, This is kind of, you know, crazy. Because the idea was that th- these uh, lockdown measures would actually continue all the way uh, to till Easter, till Easter next year. Uh, Boris Johnson wrote to MPs in Parliament, letting them know that actually, uh, as-, as soon as fe- February, these new rules, like, could be and probably will be scrapped. Um, <laughs> now, this move came... Um, after 70 MPs said that they're going to vote down his plans right now if he doesn't commit to that. Because no one wants to lock down the way we were locking down before anymore. So there's a, there's, there's a lot of different measures now that the, that the Prime Minister is considering. I mean, even away from this story, there used to be something called Cabinet Collective Responsibility. And what this meant was that, you know, Cabinet would have their heated discussions, but then they would all come out and uh, present a united front, so as to show that the government was competent, knew what it was doing, so on and so forth. However, Dominic Raab has come out and said, actually, there might be a third lockdown. Which makes you go, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. I thought there was no lockdown. It's just, it's just a mess, to be quite frank. And we're following it. And you can obviously read more about this at UK. But the headline here is that there seems to be confusion in the government, but also uh, w- within the wider Tory party about what's happening with lockdown. Um, is that breaking news? Who knows? <laughs> on a slightly different note, what I do want to talk about is uh, Small Acts, which is this amazing new uh, anthology um, uh, uh, film series directed and created by Steve McQueen and that's award uh, Academy Award winning Steve, Steve McQueen which uh, details um, uh, different stories about the lives of West Indian immigrants in London uh, during the 1960s and the 1970s. Uh, the title, Small Axe, comes from the Bob, uh, the Bob Marley uh, hit song, Small, small Axe, which, uh, which, which I guess comes from another proverb, which says, if you are the big tree, we are the small axe. Now, It's received great reviews. I mean, there's been two episodes. I think there's episodes out every Sunday. Uh, The first one had a 98% approval rating. The second one had 97%. I mean, this is just unheard of, really. The BBC, I I often complain about the BBC and just how poor quality often is. But this has been well received. Now, I thought, actually, with this uh, interesting... Uh, uh, film series that's obviously going to talk about racism, obviously going to talk about uh, um, the, 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 the nuances and the, and, the, and the richness of the West Indian community in in that time period. Why not bring in two students who are black and talk about the question that we tackled with Ikenna, uh, you know, what is it like to grow up as black in this country, but also how do we think about British identity? I've often found this very interesting very interesting you know one of the one of the things that got me wanting to talk about this is I was talking to a friend once who spoke about code switching which is you know it sounds like an academic term but really it's about uh, people who often speak about having a white voice or a black voice and I've had to go through this quite a bit because um, I remember finishing a podcast with someone uh, this is like much earlier on, and we finished, and I said, that was a great podcast, thank you, And they were like, you know, aren't, like you're just using your podcast voice, and I said, "No, no, this is this is actually how I talk <laughs> which maybe that says something about me, but I was really confused, I said, "No no no, this is my voice and And they were perplexed because they, they thought you know that everyone had two voices, if you like. Now, of course, we all have, you know, when you're on the phone, you might put on a, a, a much more formal voice. You know, there's like, you know, you've been a bit more relaxed. Of course, there's that. But the cadence or or how I, you know, roll my my, my tongue, I mean, that, that stays the same. But, you know, that isn't the experience of many, many people who feel like they have to have, you know, five different faces uh, to navigate uh, the UK. So I thought, let's tackle this topic. Let's talk about it. Let's not, you know dance around it let's let's address it straight on so here's my interview with two remarkable young people on this topic of black britishness here we go then right so speaking of this small acts mini series which is on bbc i thought it would be really good to speak to two black people (laughs) here in the uk because you remember last week I, i was speaking to uh, a black American man about what it's like to grow up in Trump's America. Now uh, I would say what's, you know, today is about what it's like to grow up in, in, uh, in, um, Johnson's, uh, uh, UK, but it isn't Johnson's UK. Cause he's a joke and we all know this. So, so, so rather than do that, I thought it would be interesting to consider what they make of this, uh, small acts series, but also, um, to, to have a, a much wide-ranging discussion about identity and, and how we think about Black British identity, British identity, stuff like that. So it's it, it should be really interesting. Now, I've got with me two students from Warwick University. We've, first, we've got Rashawn Grant, who is a student at Warwick studying law and business. And then you've got Boaz Adelican. Adele, I was trying to do it in, like, British vernacular, but there's no point. Brit- mm-hmm. Boaz Adelecan. Who is a student at Warwick and who is reading philosophy? Uh, lads, how are you doing this morning?
1: We're keeping well, thank you.
0: Doing well. (laughs) I'm gonna need a bit more than that. So so I've just I I, have just given you like you know the the kind of introduction. Tell us a bit more about both of you. Like what, what do you do? I mean you're students, but what else?
1: So me, I'm Rashawn, and aside from this being a student, I also take part in a local, well, I say a local, um, on-campus um, fellowship, um, just get some of the guys together to just talk, you know, just to share and whatnot, and to really, um, yeah, to really do life for them. And also I've started writing, so actually because of the Small Act series, I started writing a few articles about them just because I wasn't gonna let them pass and me not write something about them. And yeah, hopefully I'm gonna graduate soon and get the heck out of here. <laughs>
2: Um, and yeah, myself. I'm I'm also you know part of the fellowship which Rashawn was talking about. Um, I'm a spoken word artist. So I write poetry, um, and um, I'm also I'm a drummer as well. And yeah, um, just just waiting to graduate.
0: Really um,
2: <laughs> looking forward to it. I can't lie. So, um, but yeah, that's a bit about me.
0: Well, I actually came across your article, Rashawn, on LinkedIn. I must premise I didn't read it in full. But mm-hmm. I did I did take a look at it, and you were writing about this um, this uh, this miniseries. I, I know there's another episode on Sunday, and uh, there's there's five in in, in total. Um, I think we've seen Lovers Rock, and we've seen Mangrove, mm-hmm. uh, both both which received really good ratings. I mean, we're talking ninety eight percent on on Rot- rotten tomatoes 97 uh, mm. respectively for both now now for folks you are wondering you know what is this thing about well mm. it, it's it's really just an anthology series that, that documents the 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 the, Lon- the London West Indian community in the late 1960s so it's documenting their plight it's documenting uh, some of the things they went through um, and it obviously struck a chord with you Rishon, because you wrote mm. about it what 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 exactly you know did you write about
1: so just important to understand for me. So my family ranges from um, Jamaican heritage to um, Trinidad and Tobago heritage to um, Vincentian heritage from Saint Vincent, and I had never seen such a, an artful, such a, um, a really well made, you know exploration of, of our experiences. Oftentimes when you see things like these, when I say things like these, I mean movies about us, about West Indies, about Caribbeans, they tend to be more grassroots documentary styles, like, you know, about say the first black MPs, a um, few of which were um Caribbean or, you know, something that's going on in the community and they, and they tend to be after a negative event, right? So to see Steve McQueen, you know, who's of Grenadian and Trinity heritage, who won an Academy Award for Best Director for 12 Years a Slave, make this big series, you know, with big names, John Boyega, Letitia Wright, Malachi Kirby, all these people. It's like, oh, you know, wait, there's a big budget film about us, you know, and and not only is it big budget, but actually it's, it's true to life. It's the songs we actually sing. It's the records I play at my grandmother's house. It's the food I'd be eating. It's the stories I'd be hearing my grandparents tell me. So, it just struck a chord because it made the experiences that my family went through feel very seen, you know? And it, it just reminded me that, wow, actually, no, this is, this is art as well, you know? In the same way you might watch a film about, let's say, um, italian americans or you might watch a film about i don't know some other um people group you know it's like oh wait no we're a part of this so it was really great actually to see and i was just like nah i've got i've got to write something about this so that's why i chose to write
0: yeah and you wrote powerfully um you know from from the bit i read about it you know it struck a chord with you what what part of it particularly struck a chord with you hmm
1: so the parts of it that struck a chord with me were that it just the film manages to capture the wider socio-economic uh, facts that you know yes west indians arrived on mass um after um the passing of i think it was it wasn't the british nationality act it was some other act in 1948 And you know we went on to be called the wind rush generation rah 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 facts 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 but actually But just people, (laughs) like my grandparents are people. Their friends were people, you know, with likes and dislikes. Um, You see the individuals within the stories, you know, you see that, you know, they had faults even, you know, the West Indian community is not perfect. We're not portrayed as perfect people in the film we get to see that okay as as much as let's say someone like um frank critchlow who features a lot in the first episode he was a business owner his business ended up becoming a place where the community could meet whatever but he was just a guy you know he was just a guy who liked to make curry and roti and play pan and you know um play dominoes and all these kinds of things and that's fine you know and that can be explored and that can be explored in a a, in an artistically um, really, really um, wholesome way, you know. And for me, it just meant that the experiences of my grandparents and their friends, many of whom um, aren't alive anymore, were seen, you know, and that were knitted in somehow to this great big story that's still unfolding called The, 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 Brit- the British Experience. So, yeah, that, that's what really struck a chord with me.
0: Yeah, and I I love these kind of time pieces if you like because they shine a light on things that, if we're being honest, like people our age just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, they have no clue what happened. I think uh, last season of of Let's talk Common Sense, I the last episode of last season, I spoke to, um, I forgot her name, but a really lovely lady who was part of the Mangrove, uh, float for the Not Notting okay. Hill oh. Carnival, and she took talk, mm-hmm. talk, she talked me through the history of it and, and what it means to her. And obviously, you know, we spoke about a, the, the the depiction, if you like, of Notting Hill in mm. which, which mm-hmm. I think is the second largest carnival I think in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, we we talked about the depiction of it, um, you know, against something like Glastonbury, where mm-hmm. Glastonbury, to be quite frank, probably if you if you put together crimes perpetrated is is the same, if not more dangerous than something like Notting Hill, but still. You know not today seen as this kind of out of control, you know, it's it's just really crazy. Uh, the police presence is just it's just ridiculously high. And then you've got uh, Glastonbury that has a slightly different portrayal in the in the mainstream media. Now reasons why I'll leave our listeners to imagine why that may be happening. But one thing that's really interesting to me and I would love to bring Boaz in here is you know of course you know undoubtedly, just because of the time uh, 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 the the series aims to capture, it talks about kind of you know especially mangrove uh, um, uh, the 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 first one speaks about the the, the mangrove nine. am I correct? Yes, right and and it speaks about this kind of racist terror uh local police uh, raiding Notting Hill Caribbean uh, restaurant uh, uh, the, the Notting Hill Car- Caribbean restaurant mangrove time after time you know it's it's a heavy watch i was asking my friend the other day like should i watch this after a long day at work and he was like yeah yes watch it but you know be prepared it's heavy mm. and you know there's so much racism there it's 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 you you, you kind of you have a visceral response almost so mm. I wonder to you, Bowaz, obviously you're not West Indian, you're Nigerian, if I'm correct. Mm. Mm. But but I don't know if you watched it as well, but but you know, if you did watch it, what are you thinking as you watch it? But also, do you think the, you know, I guess this really depends if you watched it, but the racism that was that was seen then and that you could see on screen now, is that something you still experience today? So um, yeah. So I think thanks,
2: thanks for your question. I think for me, um, from watching it. Um, Even speaking to Rashawn about it, um, I definitely saw that there was a raw sort of there there was a raw expression of um, of of the racism back then, and I think um, it was much more apparent and it was clear um, the 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 hostility between you know the police, the policemen, and um, and and the people present. And I think when from watching it, it really just opened my eyes to how different it was back then. I wouldn't say it's the same now, and I think, from my own experience, especially being Nigerian, I haven't personally, um, funnily enough experienced it um, on that on that level, experienced it in any way. I would say um, um, because I've I've obviously grown up in um, Brent, which is not too far from you know where a lot of um, Caribbeans you know base, so Harleston, Wilsden area. Um, but I would say that yeah, definitely is much more different than than it than it than it shows in the in a show so I think from watching it it really opened my eyes to how different it was and how thick skinned they were um and how and how um that pressure which they endured brought out the best in them I think that that there's a scene specifically where they're fighting for their case and um the guy literally has to pitch it and he's thinking about how um they could find loopholes in the law and whatnot but you find that when they get to this position where they have to you know they have to Fight for themselves. They they they're putting a compromise in place, and they have to ensure that they stand up for themselves. So I think that um put that pressure is always going to be it's always going to bring out the best in people. You know the whole pressure makes diamonds thing. So I think um yeah it was just it was a very interesting watch for me.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting to me. Um even though you're Nigerian, like I I find in the UK the state for for one of a better term or even the police or whoever it is they don't always encounter. Uh, Encounter the black people. Sorry, Mm. the black people. Black people (laughs) with all their cultural nuances. So when Mm. someone looks at me, they don't go, "Mike is probably Yoruba." Mm. (laughs) They just go, "He's black." Yeah, (laughs) definitely. And and, and as such, I navigate, you know, this country as a black man. Now, I want to ask you a question. I asked uh, Ikena, who was my last guest again. um, He was he? Was in New York. Mm. You know, what's it like growing up as a young black man in? not Johnson's. <laughs> no, what's like a <laughs> growing up as a young black man in the UK today? Wow, uh
2: that's a that's a lowly question. Um I think it's 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 interesting. I think I would I would divide it into different parts. So I would say that initially um when I grew up in primary well when I grew up in my primary school time um so you know from ages three to around eleven or so it was quite hard. It was very, very um, hard. Not necessarily from the perspective of you know I didn't want to be um, black or I felt uncomfortable in my own skin, but more so from an identity perspective of I didn't really want to be African. It wasn't cool to be African back then. Um, if you know about Africans, you know that Africans tend to have long names. <laughs> Africans, you know, they, 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 there's a lot of stereotype. There's a lot of stereotypes about you know us as Africans, and I think back then that wasn't as cool. Um, I was surrounded by a lot more Caribbean people. I wanted to be Caribbean as well, Um, (laughs) you know, and I I think that was very, very difficult to come to terms with in terms of just my own identity beyond being just black British. I think more so coming from a Nigerian household, the the church I went to was predominantly Nigerian as well. So um, that was a, a a constant tug of war. And I think when I got to secondary school, that changed a bit. Um, and it was me just getting to get into terms with, coming to terms with the fact that listen I'm different even as a black person and I think you know coming to our university where there are a lot more people so naturally you'll find more people that um, have the same culture as you like the same things as you that's I'm, I'm finally arriving at a place where I'm coming to appreciate the fact that yes I have my British identity I'm London born and raised but I'm also Nigerian and my, my roots grow much deeper and I'm starting to love my culture a lot more, love the music, love the food, you know, and, and really reconcile myself with um, what it means to be a Nigerian man. And I wouldn't really identify myself as somebody that's British. I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday. The idea that, you know, um, there's not much that <laughs> this, this country does to always make us, you know, included or feel included. Um, and I felt that for myself. I don't really feel all the, all the way part of this country um from a nationality perspective anyway so yeah so I think for me growing up is definitely been there's been different parts different different divisions but I think there's been this constant thread this constant trajectory uphill in terms of just being able to come to terms with who I am um as a black British Nigerian um a male so yeah
0: okay I want to probe into that because I've heard a couple of people say speak about this I find it so fascinating when no, were you born here, Boaz?
2: I was, yeah. Okay,
0: so you were born here. Presumably you were raised here as well?
2: Yeah, yeah, raised here. Born and raised so it's
0: there. it's so interesting to me that you'd be born here, you'd be raised here, but you wouldn't feel British. No. So so do you? is it that you feel more Nigerian than British?
2: Definitely, definitely. I I, I definitely feel that way. I think it's partly due to where I spend my time. Um, and I, I, I do think that I, I have many ways of being constantly reminded of where I'm actually from. Um, so, you know, people would ask me, where are you from? Mm. I would never really say I'm from Britain. Like, I'm, I'm a British person. Like, it's even weird, they will be like, okay, cool, but where are you really from? You know, that, that's that's sort of the sort of line of question. Where are you from from? Yeah, <laughs> like, where are, you, <laughs> where are you actually from? Because you're obviously not from here. Um, and I think that alone can sometimes play into your subconscious alongside when you conflate like, that with all the other things, you know, you go home and your mom's speaking Yoruba to you and, and she's, you know, she, she's breaking in and out of the English language. You go to church, the songs they're singing, the culture, the, just everything around you. Um, and like I said, that's where I would spend a lot of my time. So the only place I would really be, you know, um, receiving the British culture quote unquote would be school every now and again. And even that as well has its differences because, um, the, the, well, the culture I mean the borough I grew up in is I think the second most diverse borough in the whole of um, London so mm-hmm. naturally you're, you're not really just seeing the quote unquote
0: British culture or yeah. how it's conventionally understood Wow that's really interesting to me now Rashawn, is it a similar experience for you do you also not feel British or or is the fact that your grandma mm. um, you know was part of people who basically helped to build this country back up does that mm. change the kind of ownership you have of this country
1: Whew, you know it should it, it really should when I think of my relationship of, of, and my family's relationship with this country the word that comes to mind is interference so it's it's like this in the 16 and 1700s English people colonized islands and around the same time they in that, that's, that's the interference right then around the same time they interfered with Africans, if we can call that an interference, and then they brought them over to the islands, cool. In around the 1960s, um, these islands became independent. But before that, my grandparents had already arrived. My grandparents weren't born in Jamaica and Trinidad respectively. They were born in the Crown Colony of Jamaica and the Crown Colony of Trinidad respectively. Actually, that's a mistake. My grandmother was born in St. Vincent. She went over to Trinidad later because education was better over there. But the point I'm getting at is this this interference that you know we're, we're interfering with each other. And now when they come over here, I think my grandfather arrived either in 59 or 1960. He was seen as an interference, you know. The, oh, why are you here? Go back to where you mm. to where you came from, you know. And it's like, well, he wouldn't have even been there if there was no <laughs> interference on the parts of English people some centuries before. Now that's all history, but for me. My mother was um, raised in the United States. So um, she has more um, in common in terms of her formative years with an African-American woman, right? And she was very, very on purpose about raising me in a similar way to if I was born in Brooklyn, New York City, which is where she lived. So it was very much, you know, you're Black and the state will come and try it with you at some point. In terms of, to answer your question, do I feel British? I've always struggled with it. Mm. I've always struggled with it because I have always thought, well, we could have ended up somewhere else. Yeah, yeah You know, definitely. it could have just as easily been Toronto or New York or Los Angeles or Chicago or elsewhere, you know, but we're, we're in London and Hey, you know, London is where we managed to try and buy the house and London is where my grandmother managed to run a hair salon and London is where I, I grew up and in terms of what it meant to be British, a, a similarly diverse um, borough to Brent is Harringate, which is where I went into primary school, right? And to the idea of Britishness there was very, it's only was only loosely pronounced. You know, a lot of my friends were um, Black Africans, Black Caribbeans, or South Asians, Chinese, um, Russian, Eastern Europeans, whatnot. Yes, yeah, some white um, English people as well, but it was very much a mixture. And I think because my grandparents, I grew up in the same house with them, because for them, Britishness was always tied up with whiteness and Englishness. And I think because that was their understanding of it, that was all they had to give me, right? So for me growing up, it was like, well, I'm definitely not white and I'm definitely not English, but can I get this British thing, you know? And and to what extent is that divisible from being white or English. So I've always struggled with it, you know, because my mother grew up in the States and my grandmother grew up in the islands. But but that question about whether or not I feel, you know, like I, I can stake a claim to this country because there's, there's blood and there's sweat and there's tears in the community for it. I would like to say that, yeah, you know, I, I, I would feel that it's a bit Disrespectful to the efforts of the people that are being depicted in this small act like, series to just yeah. be like, okay, you know what, mm. let's just up and leave. Mm. You know what? There's there's no there's no no um no love lost. You know, not mm. like we have any any serious roots here anyway. Let's just up and leave. I think that would be a bit, a bit disrespectful. But at the same time, do I always feel, for want of a better phrase, welcome? You know, mm. it's, it's like how how it's like okay. When's the next time I'm gonna hear go back to when you where you came from? Yeah. You know, so I, I, is that
0: difficult. something you've heard growing up? Go back to where you came
1: from. Well, the assumption was always, I'm not from here yeah. <laughs> because of the way I speak. Um, if whereas for Boaz, it was his name, you know, for me, it was the way I speak. Oh, you know, Rashawn, you're obviously not from here, so but then because the connotation was that oh i must be american and that's a very different connotation to you being african right Mm. or or you being even caribbean necessarily because that's not the the uh, the assumption that people make it's like oh it was it was kind of positive because you know i grew up in a time when people were everything was american films american music american industry Mm. so everyone thought it was quite pool but i was never no one ever makes the assumption that i'm here unless no sorry no one ever makes the assumption that i'm from here unless i'm elsewhere so when i go to trinidad for example i'm very british mm, <laughs> the, those yeah, guys call me you. those guys call me english more than See, th- like th- I call th- english.
0: this is quite interesting to me because this yeah. this, is, yeah. this is something i wanted to come on to too because mm. you know so you both spoken about kind of different experiences but similar in some, in some sense different in mm. that you know, Boaz, you you know, you're born here, you're raised here, but because I guess maybe uh, you had a really strong Nigerian upbringing Mm. and, you know, you had your parents probably telling you, listen, this is not your country kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) You grew up with that kind of firm identity that, yeah, I'm Nigerian, I'm just here. Mm. And with yourself, uh, Rashawn, because you have traveled quite a bit Mm. uh, and you've been to different places, you grew up at different places. You, You probably feel, I guess, like a world citizen almost. Like you know, there's all these different countries that that you Almost. that you that you could live in, but you know you're still West Indian. That that that's mm. a very kind of prominent part of your culture. What what I think is interesting though is this kind of no man's land, for one of a better term. Mm-hmm. That I think a lot of people, you know, who has who who have dual heritage are often caught mm. in. Mm. So you've got people like Boaz, um, who maybe they're born here, they're raised here, and they definitely do not feel British. Mm. but then they've never been back to their country quote unquote so they've never been back to say Nigeria or Ghana and if they went back there they probably w- would be rejected too for being too British <laughs> yeah, so they're yeah. not British enough or they're too Nigerian to be British That's and then they're too true. British to be Nigerian yeah which <laughs> definitely and, and I just sorry to even
2: cut you off but even going because I went to Nigeria last year actually so um went last year and it was it was that type of experience you know once they hear your accent the prices for the food go up by how much like <laughs> it's it's crazy and you don't really feel you don't really feel um enough like even coming to um university and speaking to international students you're like wow like i'm i'm actually british like now, now i feel bro now i feel british but before mm. <laughs> that wasn't quite the case so now i think that's really interesting what you're
0: saying yeah yeah i mean and, and i say that because um a part of me feels like we all want to channel, like our—we all have nationalistic tendencies, and mm, we want to channel mm-hmm. it. And one, one time I think we suddenly become British is obviously when, um, you know, where, where, um, we're complaining about the weather in in a, in a in a queue for Greg's. You know, you're, you're like, oh, I feel very <laughs> British right now or or maybe it's it's during the olympic games when you're watching mm. the the you're watching the the uh, the medals tally and you and you're kind of happy cuz you're thinking oh you know nigeria is doing Okay, but so is the the so is the UK. So you kind of go. I'll just pick whichever one does the best overall. So when you see the UK yep. in, <laughs> in fourth place, you're like you feel really proud, you know. Or maybe it's even during you know the World Cup when you're seeing uh, football matches. That's mm. often when we're like Team GB and England, England, and we and we kind of <laughs> go, you know, footballs come in. How I, I just find it so interesting that you know a part of me feels like we haven't fully or well defined. Mm-hmm. and maybe it's meant to be loose on purpose but we haven't mm-hmm. really well defined what it means to be British mm-hmm. such that we as you know black people could lay claim of that identity and not feel fraudulent for doing so mm-hmm. there's, there's no, let's not forget there's another thing here where if you know me as Mike in my apartment if I flew the British flag outside um, and you two were walking past I reckon you'd have a couple of things to say about that <laughs> it's the associations
1: (laughs) yeah it's the associations mike it's the associations with okay what kind of person like okay fine i don't i I, even if i didn't do brilliantly in geography i know i'm in the uk so what kind of person flies the union jack outside of their door just for me to see you know i think it's a bit more normalized in the states where you just see houses like that all the time but it's just like okay where have i seen this flag before hmm, grandparents saw it when they were getting harassed by National Front, hmm, mm. you know, mother and them saw it when it was um, white nationalist protests in the 80s, hmm, you know it. Where have I seen this before? This is familiar. It's not so much the flag as, as it is the associations, but that's that's the whole point of a flag. It's yeah. about associations, yeah, it's about nice. what, it, what it presents, you know. But what you say about me flitting or us flitting between different identities, oh, it's 100% true, man, mm. Like listen, you can get the olympics is actually it should be a sociological study because it's <laughs> i could be everything within an olympics it could be the, the um four thousand five thousand meters guamo farah you know it's I'm, I'm behind you but let it get down to the sprint the 100 meters yeah, oh no 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 no, no. <laughs> there's, there's no british nothing there anymore you know it's, it's, it's the boat all the way and then a few years ago um for the for the very first time a young man from Trinidad um I think Keyshawn Walcott won the gold for the javelin and the island went ballistic it, mm-hmm. it went ballistic we only have like one or two gold medalists beforehand and we built them stadiums <laughs> so it's like it's a big thing you know it's, it's, it's a very big thing and still with all of this when I go back to Trinidad when I go to these islands I'm from elsewhere you know so I agree in that 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 um that identity of being British was not something that automatically I thought that I could lay claim to it was kind of like okay you're here and you're you you know and and you're part of this family and you know you might even go to be part of this community church community whatever but this nation that wasn't part of the message growing up
0: I I, I love the point about the Olympics I mean as you were saying I was thinking more about it and I guess I, I hate to parrot uh, racist here, um, <laughs> but you know, it, 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 the Olympics is where everything becomes undone, isn't it? Because when you take yeah. Mo Farah, who is a he's black, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and he's running for Britain, mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. people who are calling himself. I mean, he gets knighted. Folks yeah. are like, yeah. I think even racists probably put their hand down and go, my father, yeah, my Farah," like cheering <laughs> oh, him on. Mm-hmm.
2: You
0: know. But then he, he's as british as anybody else mm. he's black and i think people don't have a problem calling uh mo farah british mm. um but he's a black man and it, you know living in the uk uh running for england but but maybe he isn't he, he doesn't look historically like someone you'd call british quote unquote mm. then you also have like you know again when it comes to sprinters you know you're very happy to have lots of black uh, uh sprinters because because we want to do well there, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's 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 always just it's odd to me how folks will cheer during the Olympics, but then the black people who actually live in the UK. I mean, I don't. I hate. I hate to go to this, but mm-hmm. it's probably interesting that we should just, just even as a last consideration is the Sainsbury's advert. Mm. Um, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh gosh oh be, gosh because it it's so interesting and and you know uh, uh, shante uh put up a reel on instagram shante joseph she's a, she's a british mm. journalist black um and it, it made me laugh because she spoke about how british people saw you know she 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 spoke about all the different uh, adverts that 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 uh, we'd seen over the years and there's been adverts with like you know aliens adverts with carrots um, but like, you know, I don't know, garlic, whatever. and British people were <laughs> like, wow, this advert makes me feel proud to be British. Oh and, and she was like, but when there's an actual human black family, suddenly people are saying all sorts of things. I read stuff like, oh, these people are 3% of the population, but they get 100% of the adverts. And, and yeah, it's, it's, that's kind of funny, right? <laughs> but Hashtag... I thought this is so tragic. Yeah. Hashtag ri- ri- um, Chris- <laughs> Christmas in Nigeria. Christmas in Nigeria. I was so, I, I heard that. I so said. I take oh the one God. I heard that actually that made me laugh? So I was like, this is a great advert. So when you make it the British one? And I thought. Oh
2: gracious movie. Movie. Oh my
0: goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> what did you guys think watching that? I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's, it's a couple of naysayers. It wasn't like the whole country was saying this. True. Mm, mm. but, but reading those comments, does that make you feel a type of way? Like, hold on mate, am I not welcome here? I, I... It, it, it was firstly when i saw it i was like wait is what wh- i thought the black people
2: were angry because i was so confused like i know i knew a set of people were angry but i was like wait why would black people be angry at this advert and then i started reading it and i started to realize like what this was all about and i just think on so many levels it is it, it's, it's just wrong i think i think if we're if it, like culture is changing you know we're, we're in 2020 now and i think what it means to be British, as you said before, it, it's, it's changing. Like it's not it's not the same as it was 50 years ago. So I think um, media needs to begin to reflect that, and that's what they've begun to do. You know, with with Black Lives Matter and so many movements, which are veering towards you know this lib- this this um you know this this social justice campaign of like listen, black people are equal. When we're, we're not, we've been on the underside of history. Like we've been fighting for our rights for so long. And finally, we're starting to see that breakthrough media, performatively or not, that's another question, another conversation for another day. But I, I do think, at least let us just recognise that, and let's yeah. recognise it in peace. And if we're now going to say things like, Christmas in Nigeria, I think it's a bit <laughs> ignorant, because that is not how Christmas in Nigeria is. I, I, I really can't, I can't we're, lie. We're uh, definitely <laughs> not
0: pouring gravy on I,
2: At all. <laughs> so um, I, I do think it's just, it's barbaric on so many fronts. and. I, yeah, I don't stand for it, but if, if you don't know, you don't know, and I think it's a comment, it, these are comments made based off ignorance, and this is all part of the problem, really, you know, where there's not, there's not people that are open to finding out that there's more than what meets the eye, you know, and the fact that, you know, the father is there and people automatically feel that no this is not a proper black family because there's a father there that it's that, that is
0: that is terrible That's just a wild I mean, it, you know it's, I mean? Ha- it's, it's hard not to discount it as yeah, no, definitely like, you know funny and you know quite quite frankly pathetic in, in some regard um, um, comments I mean I, I think you both spoken so powerfully about this topic it, it is something that is difficult um, because I think British identity is so thinly defined. Mm. um i mean some people say you have to be born here and i often use the example boris johnson wasn't born here he
1: was born in manhattan
0: born in america yeah you know so if it's about being born here then he's he's lit he's literally not british then (laughs) he's less (laughs) british than me like he's an immigrant like he he, our, our prime minister is an immigrant technically um which is the irony of it all the folks go, oh, you know, close the borders. Well, the next prime minister could be coming in. So you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe we should keep it open for a bit longer, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I was kidding. But but you know, what, what Boris Johnson has done by virtue of his upbringing, of course, is taken on lots of British kind of cultural cues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he behaves in a very British way. And he sounds what we may call uh, historically British. And for that reason, folks are... Happy to say he's British, Mm -hmm. um, but take you, Boaz, who was born here like, actually, born here, you didn't have to be naturalized, you were born here, you've lived here your whole life. The idea that you wouldn't be able to kind of comfortably say, This is my country, a smart Mm. country, right? (laughs) The fact that you can't say that, I do think there's something wrong with that, and I do hope over the next few years or so, um. You know, we have more conversations like this where we actually ask ourselves, what does it mean to be British? And is this somewhere we want to call, call home? Because that's another thing we have to be, another cultural kind of um, discussion we haven't had yet is, you know, is this somewhere we want to call home? You know, we make up 3% of the population. There's some problems that are, are just endemic that we're kind of destined to have by virtue of being such a small uh, 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 a proportion of the whole country. Mm-hmm. So are we better off somewhere else? That's another question to think about. But hmm. folks, I want to thank you all for being part of this discussion. um I wish I was at Warwick University. We would be having these conversations every night. <laughs> no, um, but I also imagine we wouldn't do very well in uni, too, because we <laughs> about, end up talking all the time. So yeah, thank you, folks. And hopefully I can have you on here soon. Was this enjoyable somewhat?
1: yeah yeah, definitely
0: definitely thank you for even inviting us on yeah man it's
1: it's been fun it's It's been been fun